Welcome to a brand new year, yeah, here at Vertical. I'm so excited. I am filled with more joy, passion, and faith than I have ever had in my life for what waits ahead. I'm not afraid of what is before us. I am more encouraged of the God who is over us, amen? He has called us. He has put us together. We are now four and a half years into this experience we call Vertical Church. How about that? Amen. Yeah, amen. What a journey it has been. As great as was the beginning, I'm convinced what is ahead is even greater. So it is with all of that in mind today that we begin a brand new series that says the theme for us this year. And that theme is first things first, living with a God-driven pursuit and passion in our lives personally and as a church. Amen? Amen. We were, not, we were made to live with a passion. You were designed to have something big that awakens you every day. You were designed to have in you a hope, a passion, a faith, and a vision that is bigger than your routine, bigger than your circumstances, bigger than the most recent temptation. In fact, it is so big that it drives you to not give into that temptation. It drives you to give into the spirit of God. In fact, when you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the New Testament says. So when we catch this new vision, this new faith, this new hope, when we get a perspective that truly comes from God, when we wrap our priorities around his priorities, everything changes for us, amen? It all starts when we put first things first. It's true for us as an individual. It's true for us as a church. Do you know that Jesus designed the church to be the culture shaper? Really, it's true. Jesus said himself, you are the light of the world. The light. We were intended to be the ones who shape the culture, not follow the culture. We may be lied against. We may be untrusted, but we become the ones who lead the path. We become the ones who shape the direction. We become the ones who are the city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, and we point the way, the way that God has for man to live. We're not in that place today, right? We look at the culture and we do not see the church being that influence. But I'm ready to be in that place. I'm ready to walk in what scripture has called us to be. And if that means some changes coming in our lives, so be it. Amen? If that means we put first things first, so be it. We're going to do that. We are the followers of Jesus Christ, and we are the church of Jesus Christ, ready to do exactly what he says. Amen? This is what he's called us to. This is what we are meant to be. We are the ones who have the answer. We don't have an answer. We don't have another way. We have the only way. I'm not ashamed to say that. There are not many ways. There's one way. There may be many religions, but there's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. We have that answer. We have that hope. We have that. I'm not ashamed to say that. I don't have to blend in with the culture. I don't have to blend in with the world. I don't have to excuse myself. I don't have to pardon me. I don't have to apologize for what I believe. We have the answer. Amen? Amen. We do. And it's time that we, the church, stand up into that. 
It's time that we, the church, stop apologizing and stop, start being what he's called us to be, the light of the world. It's a promise that goes all the way from the beginning to the last pages of Scripture. If you read it in the Old Testament, it comes in the way of a promise from Deuteronomy 28. And I thought, well, you know, I'll summarize these verses today. I just can't. They're just too good. So just listen for a while. I have another passage we're going to dive into today, but I'm starting here today in Deuteronomy 28 is a list of promises that God made to his people. He said, if you will put first things first, if you will do what I say, here is what will happen. Please listen. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. That's a promise. Will set you who believe the church high above all nations on the earth, God's people. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. These blessings will happen in your life. You might try to get away from them, but they'll come up and overtake you. If you're trying to get away, they're going to get you. Because that's what happens when you walk in obedience to God. He blesses. Here they are. He says, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. I'm encouraged. That includes us. Amen. If you work in the city, if you live in a country, you're blessed. If you're walking in obedience to God's ways. Verse 4. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks, whatever comes from you, blessed. Verse five, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. It doesn't matter where you are, you go in, you're blessed. You come out, you're blessed. You're blessed because you walk in obedience to God and his ways. Verse seven, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. That's a good attack strategy. You come against me, you're going to scatter yourselves in so many different directions. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessings on you in your storehouses, in all which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep his commandments... And walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of your ground and the land of which swore to your fathers to give to you. The Lord will give you his good treasure, the heavens to give you the rain to your land in its season, to bless you all the work of your hands. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. I'm not going to say a lot right now. Maybe I will. You see, <clears throat> when a people have to be the ones who do all the borrowing, you're walking in a condition where you're not trusting God fully. And when you get into a walk of full obedience, you get to a place where you end up being the one walking in such blessing that you are the one lending to others and they are having to come to you. You're not lending or you're not borrowing from others. They're borrowing from you because God blesses you. And this is not just a financial principle. Mm. 
This is a spiritual principle. You see, you get to the place where you start walking in God's ways. You're the one that he's speaking to. And people start coming to you and say, hey, can you help me understand God's ways? They come to you because you have the truth. You don't have to go to others because they have the truth. You are the one who has the truth of God working in your heart. You become the one who's putting out, and they're coming to you looking for the answers. Amen? This is where we got to get as the church to the one who's putting out truth, and the world comes to us looking for that truth. Amen? Amen. I told you it wasn't just financial. Verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. We won't be the one wagged about by the culture. We'll be the one shaping the culture. We'll be the ones telling them this is the way you should walk. We'll be telling them this is the way you should go. And they'll follow. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today... And be careful to observe them. Do you hear how many times he's very specific? Heed, be careful, fully obey, walk in, keep the commandments. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. I'm going to stop right there. What a beautiful promise we have. This is the promise of the Old Testament God made to his people. And you might say, well, that was the Old Testament. I know that. I just said that. (laughs) Let me tell you how Jesus said it. Because he said the same thing. He said it in a shorter way. He condensed it for our simple minds. He said this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. That's the shortened version. You want to know blessing? You want to know what it means to be the light? You want to know what it means to be the salt of the earth? You want to know what it is to walk in his ways and experience his blessing and not have need and not have care and not have all the things that the world has? Then seek first the kingdom of God. Take every element of your life, line it up on a table, And when you look at where does God fit, you say, I'm going to seek him first. He won't be last. He won't be if I have time. He won't be if I'm feeling like it. He won't be if it's not too uncomfortable. It won't be if I think I can. No, you will seek him first, above all, before all, the first, the beginning, None of you, all of him. And when you put him first, he says, I'll take care of the rest. It's just a principle and a truth from Scripture. So I want us to take this idea, this truth, this rock-solid truth from Scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all these things shall be added to you. Some principles that we can pull from this verse that tell us how to live first things first. Man, what a great time to do this. It's the beginning of a new year. It's a new day. It's a new time. You're probably at this point in your life like me where it's like, okay, holidays. I had enough. It was great. It was awesome. But all that cake and all that pie and all those cookies and all that cranberry sauce, you got to go. 
it's time to get some things back in order. It's time to put some first things first. All this sleeping late and all that stuff, you know, and the holidays and craziness that kicks in. All right, I'm ready to get back to some order. Anybody with me this morning? I'm ready to get back to some order. Yeah, I'm ready to get to some new things. I'm ready to move on. So I want us to talk about some principles this morning to help us do that. The first principle is this. The first belongs to God. If you want to take pictures of the screen, you're totally welcome to. It's not going to freak me out that your phone is up. Help yourself. You can do that. First truth, first principle this morning, that the first always belongs to God. From the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture and all throughout eternity, it's a truth that the first always belongs to God. When Cain and Abel were in the garden, and the Bible records that they brought sacrifice to God, that Cain, the Bible says, he was the one who worked in the fields and he raised crops. It just says that he brought an offering from his crops. Abel says, it says something different about Abel. The Bible is very specific that Abel brought from the, if you read in the New King James, it says the firstlings. Firstlings. He had sheep and he raised the sheep. And he brought in sacrifice to God the first of his sheep. He brought from the first of them. Not from the last, not from the most pitiful looking, not from the weakest. He brought the first. And you say, how did he know to do that? Because he had seen God do it. He'd heard the story of how God did it. He had heard Adam and Eve tell the story of how God did it. He had heard it from them over and over because they told the story of how they had sinned. They told the story of the garden. They told the story of hiding from God in their sin and their shame. And they told the story of how God took from the lambs, sacrificed one that he might clothe them. Abel was just doing what he saw God do. And when you do what God does, he delights in it. The first always belongs to God. You keep reading through scripture, you get to the point where you find in Exodus that after they have come out of being in Egypt, that God sets up a command. And he says, the first that is born from all of your produce, all of your crops, all that belongs to you, the first of whatever it is belongs to God. If you were raising cattle and it had a baby cattle, a calf, that one, that first one belonged to God. It was your responsibility to bring it to him. It didn't belong to you. The first always belonged to God. In fact, in Exodus, it talks about, and God says, the first of your cattle, the first of your men that are born, the first is mine. It belongs to me. And God set up a truth. He set up a powerful truth that the first always belongs to him. As you heard Keith mention earlier, when the children of Israel would travel, and they'd travel as a nation across the desert, who was in front? The one that was first 
were those who were responsible for leading worship. The first belonged to him. When God's people had any increase that came to them, it was to be given to the Lord. It was to be designated as a tithe, a percentage offering that went to God. A 10% of whatever increase you had was to be brought to the Lord. It belonged to him. It was not what was left over. It was not what no one wanted to use. It was the first. It was what came off of the vine first. It was what came from the cattle first. It was what came from your income first. Before you spent it, used it anywhere else, a portion belonged to God. The first of the Ten Commandments says, you shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment was his. Every first always belongs to God. Do you know what day of the week we worship on? This is the first day of the week. You might think, oh, Sunday, the last day of the week, and then Monday starts the first of the week. No. This is the first day of the week right here. The reason we meet on Sunday is not because we didn't have anything else to do. The reason we meet on Sunday is that we are giving the first part of our week to the Lord. We are saying, you are Lord over all. We come to you. We give the first to you. The first always belongs to God. It's a way of recognizing that he is the one who creates all things. It's a way of recognizing that he has a purpose for life. It's a way of recognizing that we want to walk in his ways. Truth number two this morning is that God blesses the first that is brought to him. Whenever you recognize that the first belongs to God, then your responsibility is to take that first and give it to him. That is what your responsibility is. And when you do, he blesses it. When a young boy in the New Testament brought some loaves and fish to Jesus, he took it and he multiplied it. He blessed it so that it might be used by thousands that day. And you might think, wow, so if I bring my first to God, he'll take two and make it for thousands? If you want to interpret it only as physical and monetary, you're going to miss the bigger truth in it here. Because God takes whatever you bring to him first and multiplies it. You bring your struggle to him, he will give you peace in that struggle and multiply that peace so that it flows from you to countless others. Amen. He will bless whatever you bring to him when you bring him the first. Abraham had a son. Abraham might have thought, finally, I have a son. Finally, now, I can become the father of nations. And God shows up to Abraham and says, Now, bring to me your only son, Isaac. Give him to me. And Abraham responds. Because he does. Because he makes a trek up a mountain. Because he lays his son on the altar. God does bless. God gives him a sacrifice For his son, but God shows up in a way that Abraham could have never imagined. And we are still telling that story today. What you bring to God, he will multiply in blessing. The book of Malachi in the Old Testament repeats this truth about the power of God's blessing on the first that is brought to him. Malachi 3.10 
bring all the tithes into the storehouse, your firsts, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Wow. Promises. Promises from God that when you take the first, when you take what comes from you, what comes to you, what is yours, what is your overflow, when you take the first and you dedicate it to the Lord's use, he blesses that first. He will bless it. This is not just a financial principle. Remember what I said earlier? That when we walk in God's ways, when we do what he does, that he always blesses it? Watch this. God, in his wisdom, in his fullness, who existed before there was time, who existed in eternity, who never had a beginning and has no end, when he wanted to fulfill his purposes, when he wanted to redeem sinful man, God did one thing. He purposed in himself to give. He gave his only begotten son. He gave him for us, his firstborn son. God gave of the first from him. God gave of his increase. God gave out of his overflow. God gave his tithe, and it was Jesus for us. Oh, yeah. See, when we walk in God's ways, we're just emulating what he's already done. And when you do what God does, he'll bless it. Jesus was God's tithe. And did he bless him? Oh, did he? He did bless him. He showed himself strong in him. He showed himself strong even when he went to the cross. He showed himself strong when he was put into a grave. He showed himself strong when that stone rolled away and the Son of God rose to victory and lived to reign forevermore. And the Bible says now he's been given a name which is above every name, that at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Did he bless what was given first? Oh, did he? He always blesses when we give from the first of what comes from us and to us. Principle number three, God also blesses the rest when the first is given. This is a fascinating truth here from Scripture. When you give as you're called to, when you give from the first, God will bless what was given, but he'll also bless the rest of it. Romans eleven sixteen. write this down. Listen to this. It says, if the dough offered as first fruits, in other words, if you give to the Lord some dough and the first fruits, you give it, and it is declared holy, it says, so is the whole lump. It goes on and says, and if the root is holy of a tree, so are the branches. If the roots are holy, the rest of the tree is holy. What you give off the top, what you give at the first, if you dedicate that to the Lord, then the rest is sanctified because you gave the first. Yes. 
That's the way it works in God's economy. When you give from the first, he blesses the rest. If you want your thoughts to be established for this week, if you want to get to the place this week where you're not consumed with worry and fear and anxiety and stress and confusion, the Bible makes it very clear. Here's what you do. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. You give the first thought that comes to you. Every thought that comes to you each day, every part of your day, when a situation arises at work, let your first thoughts be what God says they're to be. Give those first thoughts to him and he'll bless the rest of the thoughts. When you wake up in the morning, give that day to him, he'll bless the rest of that day. When you give the first, he'll bless the rest. If you want your possessions to be blessed, if you want to see that what you've got lasts, then God says, give it to me first and I'll bless the rest. Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You want the rest to be blessed, then you gotta give the first to the Lord. You want your marriage to be blessed? Then you walk with what God says first. Don't wait until you get into some tragedy situation to wonder about, I wonder what God says about this. No, give God the first. Every thought, every emotion, every situation in your marriage, consider what he says first. And he says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Husbands, do that first. He'll bless the rest. But if you don't do that first, there's no guarantee he's going to come rushing into your situation unless you've sought him first. Ladies, your role is holy as well. Your role is to respond to your husbands in the same way that the church responds to Christ. And when you put that first, then God will bless the rest. It's what he does. Seek him first, give him the first, he'll bless the rest. It's how he operates. It's a truth from scripture. You want your directions to be blessed. You want your decision making to be blessed. You want to figure out what should I do about this situation? Same truth applies also from Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, parentheses, first, and he will direct your path. You'll get the direction you're looking for. You want your day to be blessed? Start by meeting with him first. Don't put him off. Don't say, I'm too tired. Don't say, I don't have the strength. Don't put it off. He'll bless the rest if you'll bring him the first. Principle number four. Giving the first to God requires absolute faith. You see, this all sounds great here on Sunday morning. It's the first day of the week. You've kind of done your first thing. Awesome. Way to go. But it's, it's Tuesday night. It's Thursday afternoon. It's on those times that you wonder, okay, this is tough now. What am I going to do? It's Friday morning. What are you going to do? And in those moments, it takes absolute faith to put God first, to choose to let him lead your thoughts, even when they don't seem to make sense to you. 
It takes absolute faith to do what God has called you to do as a husband or wife when it doesn't seem to make sense in the moment. It takes absolute faith to give of your possessions when you're not sure where the rest of the possessions are going to come from. It takes absolute faith to do every one of those. But this means I reorder my life. This means that from this point forward, I say, okay, God, I have been choosing up to this point. I have been deciding the order of my week. I've been deciding where you fit into my life. I've been deciding what parts of your word I want to keep, what parts I want to believe, what parts don't seem convenient, what parts don't make sense. Instead, God, I'm going to come and I'm going to trust you wholehearted. I'm coming all in. I'm coming in hot on this deal because I'm here to trust you with everything. You first in everything. I love this new song we just sang. And there's one line in it that just, just pierces right through every time I sing it. I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. Isn't it crazy you and I like to think we can somehow negotiate with God? You might do that with your boss. If you're a salesman, you might do that with somebody you're trying to cut a deal with. You might do that at some store you go to. Hey, if I buy 12 of these, can I? and I know some people in this room who are great negotiators. In fact, I'd be scared to sit across the table from them, really. I'm just glad I'm on their same side of the table often. But... You might do that in your business. You might do that in life. But that does not work with God. He's not in the negotiation business. He has his ways and he's called us to walk in them. And if you're coming at him like, you know, God, I mean, I'll consider this deal about, you know, reading the Bible, if this, 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 this. I'll consider loving my husband like you say, but what about the blah, 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 blah? What about it this and would you do it? No, stop. Stop all the negotiations. You're, you're trying to negotiate with the God who's created the whole universe. You're trying to negotiate your simple ant brain ways with the God who is all wise and all knowing. What are you thinking? You're trying to negotiate with the God who gave his first when you were still in your sin and had offended and defiled your very presence before him. He gave that son for you and you're trying to negotiate with him? What are you thinking? But that's what we do. But if you're going to walk in this first things first life, if you want 2020 to be different, then you're going to have to start at this place. I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. I don't negotiate my time with him. I don't negotiate my ways, my interests. I instead yield and I put him first. I have an illustration this morning that I think will help with this. And let this illustrate our life. 
on this side. This is our life, and you and I have a lot that goes into our life. There's a lot of things that we want to accomplish. There's a lot of things we got going on. I mean, after all, we got our marriage, we got our kids, we got our job, we got our money, we got our interests, we got our time, we got our health. We've got so much that we've got to try to work in. We've got our kids' schedules, we've got our schedule, we've got our future plans, our vacation plans, we've got all this going on. And you add in family into that whole mix, and oh my goodness, it just kind of goes crazy after that. You're trying to solve all the relationship issues, you're trying to solve all the struggles that are going on, and add into that church and all that stuff. You're trying to figure all that out. And what happens is we have this set of priorities in life that we have to figure out, that we have to somehow manage, that we have to somehow put all into this jar. we got to somehow make all this work. And the thing is, what happens often is there are some things that are really weighty and important. They're the big things. They're the things that take up a lot of time, a lot of space, but they're so significant. They are the the things of faith. They are the things of God in Scripture. They are the things of the the kingdom of God. And these are weighty matters. And these are obedience to God. These are essential in our lives. But often we say, you know, I don't know. I just, um, maybe if I have time for that, maybe if I can get around to it, Maybe if I get some other things done first. I mean, I've got so many other things. I mean, I've got, I've got my marriage. I've got my kids. I've got my job. I've got bills. I've got my friends. I've got my entertainment. I've got my own interests. All, those, you know, all this stuff. And I've got to somehow get that all in here too. But sadly, what most people do is they start here. You see, this represents all of my thoughts all of my feelings, all of my desires. And this is where sadly most people start. They say, well, you know, I am not going to do something that's going to be uncomfortable. I am not going to do something that's going to cost me. I am not going to do something that could be difficult or challenging or put me in an awkward situation. I mean, I just like to get home and Netflix a whole lot. You know, it's just more easy that way. I just, if I have anything else, you know, it better not inconvenience me. And so most people start, sadly, right here. It's all about them to begin with. Me at the bottom. Me at the foundation. My interests, my desires, my struggles, my guilt, my pleasures, my fears. And on top of those, we try to somehow fit in marriage, kids, job, kids' schedules, a little bit of job issues going on and some investments and entertainment with friends and, and all these things we try to fit in here and say, okay, now, whew, okay, I'm trying to work all these things out. I'm trying to get all of them, but, you know, I, I work all of those out based on what I think. I, those things rest on top of my feelings, my interests, my rights. They're first, and if, as long as they don't interrupt then I'll, I'll let them exist. But you notice right away there's something interesting about this jar. These two things have little to do with each other. They're not together. They're separate. Sadly, this person also says, okay, you know what? I'm just, 
so stressed out with life. I got all this stuff going on. I got all my issues going on. You know, I, I know I probably should, I probably should read some scripture. So I think I'll do that. And you know, I, I probably should, I probably should get involved in church a little bit. And you know, I probably should seek the kingdom, but I don't have room for that. And I probably should obey what the Bible says, but I don't have room for that either. Maybe later. Maybe after I get all that figured out. Maybe when I'm feeling better about things. Maybe if I can offload some of these other things, then I can add those to the mix. Maybe if I can adjust it all a little bit, maybe, 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 and the maybe never comes because life keeps looking like this disjointed, disconnected. Things about God have little to do with my own heart. Things about God are that Sunday thing that really never pierces and penetrates down to my own guilt and sin and shame and fears. Those things are separate. We keep it all compartmentalized. We keep it separate. Here's faith, here's my stuff, and here's me. All things separate. This is not the life that God's called us to. You probably already know this is not first things first life. This is me first life. And when you get me first life, you got things all out of whack. You got things all out of proportion. You got things in just not working out. You can't sleep at night. You can't manage your fears. You can't deal with your anxiety. You can't deal with the stress. You can't deal with the depression because you haven't brought God into it. God doesn't even come close to touching the realities of where your life is because you didn't begin there. Now, let's start all over. Let's build life as Jesus said. We're to build life. Let's build it like he says. Let's put it according to his priorities. Let's put it according to his schedule, his purposes. And he says, my word is first. My word is forever settled in heaven. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The man who chose to build his life on a sure foundation by listening to every word of Jesus and obeying what he says. Jesus said, this man built his life on the rock. You cannot ignore God's word. And you might say, well, reading is so old-fashioned. There's nothing old-fashioned about God. He's timeless. And if you need to read a paper Bible, read it. If you need to listen to an audible Recorded Bible, listen to it. If you need to find some other way, you've got to get God's word at the foundation of your life. It has to be first. This is first things first. This is me choosing, in spite of everything else going on, that this is more important than anything else in my life. Second, the other big foundational piece for my life is faith. God, I read your word that it might grow my faith, that I might trust you, that I might walk in your ways. Second Peter says, add to your faith virtue, knowledge, self-control. And he builds a list there and all starts with add to your faith. Faith is a foundation. Faith is a beginning. Add to your faith. It is by grace we are saved through faith. That's right. Faith has to be foundational, has to be at the bottom. God, 
Above all things, I will build my faith. This is where I start. This is what's important. This is first things first. And God, you also said through your son Jesus to seek first the kingdom of God. So God, I'm going to seek the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom, not seek later the kingdom, not seek if I have time the kingdom, not seek if I have energy the kingdom. The kingdom is God's work. It's the church. It's his ministry. It's his work in the world today. It's his space in your heart. It's his space on this planet. And I seek that kingdom. And it is first. It's priority. The other is obedience. To have all of these. And to say, God, whatever you show me here, I will obey. The psalmist wrote and said, to obey is better than sacrifice. You may read a lot. You may gain a lot of information from sermons you hear, books you've read. But the greatest truth is one that you obey with your heart and your life. And obedience becomes one of those foundational elements that you say in your heart, God, I will obey you first and foremost. This is laying the foundation Now, on top of this, you say, now, God, I'll build my marriage based on this. These things are first. Fulfilling the role you've called me to as a husband, first. Fulfilling the role you've called me to as a father, first. I will now bring up my children in your ways. I will train them up. I will do that as a dad. I'll bring them to a church that supports me in that work, but I will not expect the church to do my work of raising my children in the ways of God. Amen? Amen. That is my responsibility as a dad, and it is our responsibility as men to do that. We're here to help you as a church, and we're going to teach and train. But more important to me as a pastor is making sure that every man, every father knows how to train up his child in the ways of God because that is your responsibility. Now I'm building my life according to faith, according to God's word, according to his presence in my life. I'm shaping my finances. I'm shaping my job. I don't give in when there's temptation. I don't give in when there's calls for lack of integrity at work. I don't give in to temptation that would distract me. I build every area of my life, every element of it, my free time, my my. even just the stuff I like to do by myself. If you have some hobby, you say, God, what do you want me to do with my talents, interest, and time? All of those rest first with God. When you do this, an amazing thing happens because then you come at it with your self. You come at it with your own Heart, your longings, your dreams, your desires. You come at it with your plans and you say, now God, they will all take second and third place to what you have said. I will fill in my thoughts around your truth. I will fill in my interests, my pursuits, my thoughts. They will all be established upon you. Everything, my fears, my feelings, whatever they might be, 
I trust them all to you because you are the first. You are the one. And it all fits when you put him as the foundation. I love the visual here. Right away, you notice something very different about this one from this one. This life from this life. This life is all one. It is immersed in truth, built upon a foundation. This life is segmented. This life is separated. This life sees God separate from marriage and life and job and finances and even itself. This life says, I bring all that I am, all my fears, all my doubts, all my longings, all my dreams, all my sin. I bring that all to you, God, and I build my life upon that. And he transforms us and shows us a beautiful picture of himself in us. The Lord, our God, is one. Amen. This is what happens when you put first things first. This is what happens when we choose to do what God did. He gave his first for us. And he blessed his first. And then he blessed the rest, which is us. And he calls us to that life of faith. I want to close today with a passage of scripture from Colossians chapter 1. If you want to turn there with me, you can. I'm just going to read through it. Colossians chapter 1. In fact, I would make this challenge to you as a begin a new year. Each week in January, I would challenge you to read a chapter from Colossians, New Testament. Today, I'm going to look at a bulk of verses from chapter 1. This week, read that chapter 1. See what God has to say there because it gives us hope today. You may say, man, this looks more like my life right now than this. How do I get from this to this? How do I get to this place where my life is not segmented and and disconnected and filled with struggle and pain? How do I get to this where Jesus fills all and is in all? Colossians chapter 1 gives us the answer. It tells us there beginning in verse 15 what God has done. He reveals what he has done in his son. And this is perhaps one of the most Jesus-exalting passages in the New Testament. Verse 15. He, this Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. He is God's first. Verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. In other words, there is not a thing that exists. There is not a power that exists today that was not created, planned for, designed, and that Jesus himself is not over. It's true. Even the most cruel and wicked ruler on the planet today is no comparison to our Lord Jesus. He is over him. And he is the God who can move men. He is the God who can move mountains. And he will lift up and he will put down. And he is greater 
than all of them. Verse 16, the second half, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. There's not a thing that he doesn't control and hold together. Verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. This Jesus is the one who has sacrificed. This Jesus is the one who has given his life for us. And I love this passage because it tells us what he has done all of this for next. That in all things, he may have the preeminence. Preeminence, pre, before, eminence, glory. That he might have the before glory. That he might have the first place. There is nothing in your life that he is not greater than. There is nothing in your life that he cannot exert his power over. But he's looking for those who will say, Jesus, you will be my first place. I will put you first. You will be before all things. I'll seek you first. I'll give to you first. I'll align my ways with you first. I'll let my thoughts be established by you first. In my marriage, you'll be first. In my parenting, you'll be first. First things first life. This is the life that Jesus has called us to. Amen. This is the life that we proclaim as the church. This is our message. First things first. Would you bow your heads with me? This morning, you might be at the place where you look at all this and you say, oh, I'm just not there this morning. I haven't been. I've got some things out of place more than being first place. It's good that you've come then today because I want to tell you that there is a God who is full of compassion and mercy. There is a God who is gracious and loving. There was a God who knows what you've done but has made a way for what you've done so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be free, so that you can start again and say, Jesus, you are now my first place. So this morning, would you end all the negotiation? Would you end all the discussion? Would you end all of the debate and say, Jesus, you first. First things first. Father, this morning we come to surrender our ways to you, our thoughts to you, our will to you. This morning you have spoken to us and made your truth very clear that the first belongs to you. So the first part of every part of our life we bring to you today. And we begin this new year with a new declaration that in all things, all things, in all things, you will have the first place. I pray that would be true for us, that our hearts would be full of that surrender today, be full of gratefulness for the fact that we can be washed clean and made new, that you have come to give us life, you've come to raise us up, you've come to make us the light of the world, and you have a message to shine and shout through us, and we as your church respond this morning and say yes, yes, yes. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our church, what you're doing in our lives personally. We pray this all in your powerful and matchless name. Amen.